Students in their habitat. Reimagining the environment we live in. Brought to you by Mikawai Florjak. Hello, my name is Mikawai Florjak and this is Students in Their Habitat. Today I am joined by Valentine from Vermont, USA. Great to see you. Uh, it's, nice. it's nice to see you too. You know, I want to begin with, with the most simple question, the question I ask and try to ask every guest I have here. Uh, as we are both from UWC Isaac Japan, we are both students at UWC Isaac Japan. I am wondering, how did you actually end up in UWC Isaac Japan? Like, what brought you to this school? I I guess a lot of it was based more on the opportunities provided to me from it and the fact that I felt like I connected with the, I guess, morals and ideas the campus was representing, right? Uh, you know, on one end, you have the uh, awesome education it provides, and on the second uh, end, you have the... Uh, thought process that went into the school and I really appreciate that were you thinking about any different UWCs or different schools or, or was it just like straightforward I'm going to Isaac I ran across the G10 program accidentally uh, for Isaac uh, completely on accident I was just looking at the website and happened to run across it so I, I didn't like I knew there were other G10 programs, but Isaac, when I looked at the destinations and I was like, I was thinking I would want to go to Japan because I, you know, feel like that'd be a very interesting experience. It's a completely different culture. Uh, the camp community is very nice. So I didn't have any other UWCs on my mind at the time and still really don't. That's that's amazing to hear. And you told me that you are from Vermont, USA, of course. So tell me more about where you live, as if I would have, you know, never heard of Vermont. Okay, let's say I heard of USA, but let's say I have never heard of Vermont. Describe me. Where do you live? Is it like a small village? Is maybe a bigger town? The environment you live in? So I, I guess... Uh, I'll start with the broadest strokes. Uh, Vermont is in the northeast of the U.S., so it has very uh, cold, long winters, which definitely affects the uh, pacing of, like, day-to-day -day activities. Uh, it's... I live in the uh, Champlain Valley region, which is near the lakes of... or the edge of Lake Champlain. And compared to the rest of the state, it it's uh, much more flat and primarily used for agriculture. So uh, less than 200 feet from my house, there's cornfields in uh, two out of four cardinal directions. Uh, I live in uh, Cornwall, which is a town officially, but it doesn't have like a town center. So people are generally very spread out you have about an acre of land, generally speaking. Uh, some people have many, many more acres. 
the rest of Vermont outside of the Champlain Valley is very, very, very mountainous. So I spend a lot of my time hiking. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting experience because a lot of the time you have areas that are very, very, I guess, agrarian in nature, uh, primarily based on farming. And that's where like the roots of the community are. And then up in Burlington, which is on Lake Champlain, you have a much more uh, metropolitan mindset. But because so much of the state is agricultural, it still has like a unique uh, mindset, I guess. Unique mindset. And I guess not only mindset, because uh, at least while researching, I stumbled upon it, the information that uh, in some some tops of you know of states in the usa vermont states as you know top one like the best state to live in the in the whole america so i'm wondering to what extent is it actually true that uh, vermont is so picturesque so different from all of the other states hmm i mean when thinking about vermont it's very uh important to realize that it does have a very low population considering its uh, area. So a lot of the nature aspects that are uh, kind of paved over in other states are completely uh, functional and still alive, uh, which affects not only like mental health, but how a uh, society or group of people kind of adapts. Uh, it's also not very crowded. Uh, even Burlington has a very small population Uh, the state next to us, New Hampshire, where I'm originally from, is much more crowded and has much larger cities. And that kind of urban-rural divide uh, makes it, I guess, more enjoyable for a human to live in. Because we didn't originally evolve in large cities. You know, we are still uh, very much creatures of uh, nature itself right like of the environment and because you live so close to that it is uh and it's not very populated that is good for the soul on one hand and because it's not populated uh, it has a very low crime rate you know uh, the only issue i can think of is uh the education system is not always the best but again that's primarily due to a lack of uh, funding. And uh, in some areas, you can get, I guess, I be the best way to phrase it would be kind of a lack of up-to-date modern infrastructure. Because so So many parts of the state are so small, they just don't, they can't tax enough to fund their communities well. So that definitely affects a lot of the smaller areas. But overall, it's a wonderful place to live. Maybe looking slightly broader, because at the whole US of A, uh, you know, there's that stereotype, I'm sure that you are conscious of it. Because, you know, there is that capitalist free market dream of the USA. And this comes with that stereotype of, you know, huge overconsumption, huge materialism, because everything is kind of for granted for many people, especially in bigger cities. 
and I'm I'm wondering if it's actually true if uh, in your opinion there is that sense of materialism that mindset uh bird by many uh, by by many Americans Unfortunately I would say that is very uh present I get like you see a lot of targeted advertisements and a lot of uh waste and a lot of harassment and bullying especially among younger people happens due to a lack of material possessions and i speak from experience with this uh that lack of material goods causing uh problems and bullying in schools and the materialism aspect is kind of it's it's present just about everywhere uh the hyper individualism presents its own issue because so many uh, Americans are, I guess, against the idea of anything public, uh, property, infrastructure, healthcare, as a notable example, and have a rugged do-it-yourself mindset that doesn't actually benefit them and is primarily fostered by the same people who are selling them all of these goods and charging their insurance. And that's very present in Vermont. But uh, although farming communities are like supposed to be more communal, uh, a lot of people have a very, I live out in the woods, I can do what I want mentality. And that shows through in a lot of uh, situations. Uh, of course, the state isn't generally like that. I selected uh, Bernie Sanders, which I guess is the closest to an American left, I use quotation marks there, that you'll get. But that's less due to the state being this liberal paradise and more due to the fact that it's incredibly polarized. Like people in the cities, they still have that materialism, but they are more, I guess, because they live closer to other people. So they can't hold views that are, would be considered more backwards and they see poverty uh, right in front of their eyes. So the idea of a communal, I guess, coming together for something like healthcare is a lot more talked about. Whereas in rural areas, uh, poverty is kind of more subtle, like just as affecting and as damaging as it is in uh, urban areas but you see it less because people live so far away from each other. And that kind of allows people to hide that because it's still considered embarrassing to be poor. So you end up getting, I guess, a kind of reversal of what you would assume uh, the case would be. And that polarization directly goes into voting lines. Like the cities are very, very blue and many of the more rural districts are blue uh, and the states are generally blue, but like the county I lived in before I moved to where I am now was very uh, rural and very heavily uh, conservative. And that same ultra individualism uh, expressed itself very strongly there. It, uh, even going as far as to say, uh, 
uh, both political and social. And it still had the material aspect of uh, harassing other people based on what they have and don't have. And as you live in, in a smaller, less dense and closer to nature community, do you believe that there is a significant or at least visible difference at the approach towards, you know, environment, environmental issues, uh, mindsets regarding that, you know, so people in your area are kind of more towards uh, nature, if I can describe it like so? Um, I would, I'm going to speak in generalizations because I, you know, I can talk hours about specific districts in their voting and mindset. Uh, I would say generally, yes, there's a very large section of Vermont's population that's very, very big into being outside and in nature and especially in earlier decades, the, uh, I guess environmentalist hippie movement, like environmentalist branch, uh, moved to Vermont because of its nature. And you still see kind of an effect of that. Like people who are really, really into nature go to Vermont. And so I guess that combination of if it's main hobby you can do because people are so far apart, there's nothing other than nature for a communal activity as well as people kind of going to Vermont specifically for the nature from other states. So it is a lot more environmentalist. It cares a lot more about its um, state's carbon footprint. Uh, the people do. When you talk about the government, it's different because the environmental board, like the runners on the Vermont government system Uh, many of them are members of uh, state oil, like state or private businesses uh, that operate primarily in the state and use uh, gas as their main seller and other uh, power companies that primarily use fossil fuels, which affects the legislation. And we don't elect those guys into their positions of power. And I'm wondering if you were to assess what is like the number one, the most important, most problematic environmental issue in the U.S. overall, the one most visible, most touching. Massive wildfires, storms and uh, massive wildfires, hurricanes, freak snowstorms, uh, the death of trees and other freak environmental issues that are a direct result of climate change. Winters are ending sooner, even in Vermont. Uh, last year, due to the warm temperature, we had a ton of trees almost die due to pests. Uh, out west, you have these raging wildfires. Uh, the Midwest, the Great Lakes region, and like Texas get slammed with these massive freak snowstorms that wipe out power. The Midwest is getting hit with increasingly powerful uh, tornadoes and uh, crops are dying. And the, I guess, Southeast, ooh. yeah, Southeast area, like the South, uh, gets hit by increasingly powerful hurricanes. 
and the state hasn't come up with a reasonable way to cap carbon emissions, react to these disasters, or uh, manage them better. So you've been seeing a lot more people dying a lot more frequently and no one's doing anything about it. And how the average, quote unquote, American does approach the topic of environmental issues, uh, global warming and similar carbon footprints and similar stuff. Do they, like, um, as many people are concerned, you know, people recycle, do those small steps, or is it just being totally unconscious or maybe blaming huge companies and doing nothing by themselves? See, it's important to think, like, many stereotypes about America are true. Uh, one that isn't and that I kind of see as being consistently problematic is the, I guess, stereotype that Americans don't support things like climate regulation, healthcare, broader social change. Like, many of them don't, but many more do. And that's not reflected in our government based on how we uh, have our system set up. Plus things like gerrymandering, which disenfranchise a bunch of people. So most people do want this change, like environmentalism, but aren't willing or and really can't change it through, I guess, what would be called standard electoral means. And... Um, You know, America is very consumerist and by nature. Many people are not willing to make the change to more eco-friendly solutions. At the same time, the majority of emissions in the United States and globally are caused by uh, unregulated corporations and their, um, I guess way of producing and managing goods. So even if everyone in the US, as far as citizens, like if they were to cut their carbon footprint in half, as far as like the objects they buy, it still would not be enough to really make that situation better because the interests of the government and uh, more accurately, corporations which do lobbying efforts are Uh, they want to keep things the same because it's uh, it costs money to change. So short answer would be it depends, and I guess it's 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 kind of that like that for most of the you know if you could say wealthier countries, those European ones, USA and others, just there is a strong and a huge gap between people. You know there are people which are really towards. Uh, helping to restore our climate and fighting the climate change. As well, there are many people who are, in general, not really concerned and, and they don't really know much on the topic of, of environmental issues. So I believe it, it, it really depends. And uh, going more abstract, if you were to assess how the US would look like in terms of the environment, in 30 years, so let's say 2050. Wow. Uh, let's assume current trends. 
Okay. Um, most major coastal cities would have consistent or frequent flooding problems, and cities like New Orleans, which already have dams built in certain areas, would be uh, massively reorganized in order to avoid being sunk. You'd probably see a lot more dams and locks to keep the water out. Uh, winter in places that get cold would be uh, shorter, but would be prone to, and shorter and warmer, but prone to a lot more freak snowstorms. And that would be a similar situation uh, across the Midwest as well. Uh, many of the areas we currently grow food would no longer be uh, arable due to drying out. Rivers like the Colorado River, which are already uh, very low, would probably be almost empty, cutting off water to a lot of uh, America's largest cities. Uh, temperatures in the warmer parts of the country, like the Southwest, would be in the heat of the summer, almost unlivable, if not completely unlivable. You already see more people die from heat stroke, for example. Uh, many forests in the West would already have been burnt beyond repair to the wildfire. Generally not good at all, given current trends. A consistent issue you see with climate change is that our predictions we make are usually not as severe as the reality. If you've seen this a lot recently, it's just happening faster than we expect because new things have fallen apart, like uh, methane in permafrost, eh, uh, for instance, which we didn't expect to melt, is now melting, creating more carbon. So if you don't get a lid on it soon, it's gonna like kind of run away from you and you're not gonna really be able to do much about it. And one more idea from me, the more positive one to end on a more positive note because it's actually the last question. What would you change if you were to change something when it comes to the environment? It can be done by changing the mindsets, uh, investments. It can be really abstract or highly realistic, what would it be? I would want to give everybody, like if I could do one totally random thing, like anything off the top of my right. mind, I want to give everybody the ability to see what their homes and what the country will look like in 30 years if we don't do anything and how many people they know will have uh, died as a result of that. Because even if you were to make all energy solar with a snap of your fingers, uh, people would build new coal plants. But it's, it's that mindset. People can't see in the future. And because right now a lot of it's speculation and we're not living it, it's very easy for people to forget how pressing of an issue that is. And I think if people could just see, then they'd be more inclined to action. I believe that you may be right. You know, people are sometimes more prone to change, change after they see, okay, we did it wrong, instead of just telling them that they did it something wrong. So 
that would be it. Thank you for today. Uh, my pleasure. It was a very fun interview. I enjoyed it. Amazing to hear that. And to you, my listener, our listener, I want to meet with you in our next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Students in Their Habitat. If you want to discover more students' perspectives on the environment, make sure to listen to other episodes available.